Okay. The Svadimet, this is what it says, the Pasuk, the Berna Vukule, the Yashalukli Kesev, the Vene Yisrael Sukit Bad Moshe. So you turn over the page and you look at the second source. You see it says Shemot Perik Yudbet. Shemot Perik Yudbet, Pasuk Lamet Hay. It's the second source on the sheet. It's complicated enough. So this is the Pasuk. did as Moshe Rabbeinu directed them. Directed them. And they borrowed from the Egyptians. Of course, everybody understood they weren't going to give it back. But the Pasuk says they borrowed vessels of silver and of uh, gold and I guess fancy dresses that also were made in those days maybe today also well I don't know about it with gold and silver in it it was when you say you're taking the silver you're taking the the gold now kalim in Hebrew mean either vessels or clothing Right, Kalim is a, also a synonym for the word clothing, so that the Pasuk might be explained in that way. Clothing with silver in it, clothing with gold in it, smalot, fancy kinds of clothing with, uh, made up of fabric that's very expensive. In, in any event, there's something behind this. But the question that the Svata Met is bothered by is why is this a necessary part of Yitziat Yitzrayim? I mean, what difference does it make? I mean, if God wants to give them money, so he could give every Jew leaving Mitzrayim a credit card. I mean, why do they have to take this stuff from the, from the Egyptians? That's the first pasuk. The second pasuk here on the sheet, right? V'ashem natanet chen Mitzrayim. Chen is a tricky word. We know that it means something positive. Chain is a positive thing to have. We know that Noach matzah that Noach in the time when everybody was corrupt in the world, Noach matzah So we can say in English, found favor. Found favor. Chain is favor. But what it means exactly, uh, we don't know. And how to compare the chain of Noach in the eyes of God to the chain of the Jews in the eyes of the Egyptians is difficult. I mean, it's difficult to kind of figure out what is similar and what is dissimilar about these two two things. Okay, so that's the second. They borrowed and they took advantage. They took advantage of the Mitzrim. I mean, this was after Makat Bechorot, and Jews are on their way out of Egypt, and they're, they're taking advantage. Vayhi, the last pasuk here, pasuk me'mal, v'yikech loshim shana, v'abemayot shana, v'yi v'etzam ayom hazeh, v'yatzu kol tzivot Hashem le'erz Mitzrayim. So it's hard to understand. It's hard to understand why 
this was a necessary part of Yitziat Mitzrayim. This accumulation of wealth at the expense of the of the Egyptians. Some notes that Rashi makes. Kidvar uh, Moshe. You see the Rashi's right under the the Chumash. Shamar lahem b'Mitzrayim. There's another pasuk. Vayish alu ish beedre eyu. Moshe Rabbeinu emphasized this earlier that when you do finally leave, he told B'nai Yisrael, you'll borrow from the Egyptians gold and silver and, and, and etc. Uh, right? Av hein hayu chashuvot lahem min ha-kesef u-min ha-zahav v'ha-me'uchar b'pasut chashuv so that uh, the last thing it's like a, a Rashi says it goes up in value there's Kesem and Zahav and Smalot it goes up Vayash Ilum Rashi Pasuk Lamed Vav Ach Mashalo Hayusho Alimihem Ayunotim Lahem and what they didn't borrow they received according to Rashi in other words there's a total, total uh, I mean if you think about it if you think about it, Yosef came to Mitzrayim and saved the Egyptian economy. He also saved the world economy to a certain extent. But he certainly saved the, the uh, Egyptian economy. And the Egyptian people ended up, they converted their land owning into money. Right? They, they used the land to buy food. And whatever was left over, whatever was left over was money. So that was the Kesev and the Zahav, you know, stuff that you could trade. That, and so, so Rashi says, Smalot, uh, I'm sorry, I, I missed this one. Smalot, Afeim hayu chashubot lehem mina Kesev, umina Zahav. Vamavchav Kesev, chashub. So Rashi says that it's just a, it's Kesev, Zahav, Smalot. The most important thing was the Smalot. He doesn't explain why, but that's what he says. Even what they didn't ask the Egyptians for, the Egyptians gave them nonetheless. Ata Omer Echad told Shnai. He said, You say. You say you want a dress, or you say you want this silver goblet. Take two, the Egyptian would say. You know, one is probably not enough. Vayinatzlu v'rokinu. Rokinu, they emptied out all of the Egyptians. And then finally, the last pasuk says that this is Mikhech Shloshim Shana, Vayibetz Mayom Hatzeh Magid, Rashi. Shekevan shiigia ketz, lo ikvam amakom, uh, since the end had come the time that was promised the 400 years in Egypt so instantly they were, they were freed uh, ok the number I won't get involved in that question and the question about was there, was there 100 we know there wasn't 400 years the number of years that they spent in Egypt was redu right? that word go down redu resh dalit vav which is 210, right? 210 years. Or to get 400, you have to go all the way back to Yitzchak. And, uh, you, you know, it's very hard to get to, to number 400, but that's what it says in the, in the Pasuk. That was the original intention. When God spoke to Avram Avinu, 
he told them 400 years and now the summary says also 400 years but it's, it's hard to know where those 400 years come from Rashi says since the end of the time period allotted for the slavery in Egypt come they, they just instantly were, were freed it was the 15th of Nisan that the Malachim, the angels, came uh, to, uh, to tell Avram Avinu, right, that he would have a son and that this would take place, the, the 400 years, right, 15th day of Nisan, the angels said he would have a son. The 15th day of Nisan, the next year, Nolad Yitzchak, that the, the agreement between HaKadosh Baruch and Avram Avinu, which included this idea of 400 years of slavery, was also done on the 15th day of Nisan. Now let's look at the Svatanet again, now that we know what we're talking about. It says, "V'pasuk daber nava yishaluk lekesef uvenei Yisrael asu kidevar Moshe kideshe lo yomar oto tzadik va'avadum ki yein bahem v'chule." So this is a reference. Uh, this is a reference to Gemara in Brachot. To so turn the page back. Turn the page back. You see, Masechet uh, Brachot, the next, the next source. Masechet Brachot, Tavtetamod Aleph and Amud Bet. Right, Taberna Bezne Ha'am. Speak to the to the ears of the people. Oma Devei Rabbi Yanai, the the school of Rabbi Yanai would say, Eina Elul Shol Bakasha. That the word Na, where it says in the pasuk, Taberna. Like what is what does na mean? Uh, why do you need it? Why, why do you need the word na any place? If you read daber ha'am, if God said to Moshe Rabbeinu daber, right? Remember, Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu kachna et bincha tichidecha shahavta yitzchak, right? So what's na? What's kachna that that God asks Avram Avinu? <coughs> what does that mean? That means it was it was pichirach of sheet that it was though God said it's your choice Avram Avinu you can either listen or not listen you can accept the challenge or not accept the challenge that's what na that's what na means so Rashi so the Gemara says na it's as though God asked Amar this is an interesting theological idea. Right, one would think that if God asked you to do something, you would not have a choice. Right, that's the famous Nitziv. Nitziv says about Matan Torah that the Gemara says Kafa Alehem Remember that the Gemara says that the mountain was kind of suspended on Bnei Yisrael as though it was a pot top. You know, like the uh, Dead Sea Scrolls. Right there in a pot top. Well, so the pot top was on B'nai Yisrael. And HaKadosh Baruch said, if you accept the Torah, fine. But if you don't accept the Torah, 
I'm going to smash you to smithereens. What does that mean? It means that you have free will. That, that's what it means. Even though you would think that Matan Torah was a time when you didn't have free will, because if a person stands before God, and God says, you want my Torah? So who's going to say, can I think about it? I'll come back tomorrow. I think, you know, it's, it's not a reasonable kind of connection. But what the Medrash is saying, what the Gemara is saying there, is that we did have free will. We did have free will, even though in spite of that fact that we said that uh, that we accepted the Torah again, right? You remember there's this Chazal, this interesting Chazal that says we accepted the Torah again on Purim? Mm-hmm. Why Purim? Why do we accept the Torah again on Purim? Why not on Hanukkah? Mm-hmm. Why do we accept the Torah again on Hanukkah? On well, because Purim is a time of Hester Panim. Right? Everybody knows that the name, God's name does not appear in Megillat Hester. Because God was not there in an obvious way. God was only there for those who believed in God. But if you didn't believe, God wasn't there. Because there were no miracles. There were no miracles. It was like an odd combination of events, but there were really, when you cut them up, you see there's no miracle on Purim. So when there's no miracle, God is not obviously there. So when God is not obviously there, you have more free will. You have more free will to accept the Torah. So what it, what you were not able to do at Har Sinai, because Har Sinai was face to face with God, so of course no one's going to say no. You were able, so that the acceptance of Har Sinai of the Torah was forced upon us. But the acceptance, the acceptance of the Torah on Purim, oh, that's something else. Nobody forced us to accept the Torah, Torah on Purim. Right? So again, back to the Gemara. The Gemara says, um, that there's free will. It's as though God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, please, can I ask you, I request of B'nai Yisrael that they should ask the Egyptians for vessels of silver and vessels of, uh, uh, of gold, when he said to Abraham Avinu, he said they're going to be enslaved. God said to Abraham Avinu, they're going to be enslaved for 400 years. They'll be enslaved and they'll be, they'll be tortured. But afterwards, that's what the Pasuk said. They will go out with a lot of stuff. They'll have a lot of stuff when they leave the tribe. So he wouldn't want to say that God was faithful to his promise of that they will be slaves, but not faithful to his promise that they will get out of Egypt. Right? That, that you don't want to say. 
קיים בהם, ואחרי חץ הוא ברכוש גדול לא קיים בהם, אמרו לו, ולוואי שנצא בעצמנו. And so the, the Jews responded to Moshe Rabbeinu, we'll be happy if we get out. Either we don't make uh, a lot of money on, on this deal. This is the Gemara, right? Ulevai, Tzereitzei Batzmenu, Mashal Adam, Sheyachavush Bebeit HaAsurim. This is like a person who's in jail. Vayu Omrim Lo Bnei Adam, Motsiim Otcha Lemachar Bebeit HaAsurim, we're going to let you out of jail tomorrow and we'll give you a lot of money this is, uh, this is uh, also in the Medrash this story so he says to them let me go free today I don't want to wait till tomorrow and if you let me go free today I don't want, I don't want anything so that it's as though we say this, that the Jews in Mitzrayim, they were happy to leave under any circumstances. It was HaKadosh Baruch who, who wanted to make sure that the promise that was originally made to Avinu would be kept. That's the, way the Gemara, that's the way the Gemara sees it. So now, if you turn back to the Svat Amet, the Svat Amet says, Lavina <coughs> Inyan, Lavina, you know, to understand this business of the money, of the money being a part of the, I'll, I'll call it money, we know it says clay cash, clay zahabs, but if we, if we say money, it's, it's, it's like the Gemara in Brachot that says, this guy says, if you let me out today, I don't want the money. I'll, be, I'll trade in all the money that I might get tomorrow for another day, another day of freedom. So he says, Lavin, Ha'enyan, Kiyadu, Shebenei Yisrael, Ha'elum, Mitzrayim, Nitzotzot, Kedoshot, Shayan, Nitzah, Sham, Kedichtiv. And he calls the Apostle, we'll see in a minute. So now we have a different idea. We have a different idea. You know, we have always, you have this question. Like, what did you need, what did you need the Shiabud, the slavery in Egypt for? What did it, how did it benefit the process of B'nai Yisrael becoming worthy of receiving the Torah? So you say whatever you say, and I would say whatever I say, right? But you understand that there's a connection, that the, the B'nai Yisrael, B'nai Yisrael, what, given, their, given this time in Egypt, in, as slaves, in order to prepare them for being able to receive the Torah. Now how that works exactly, you have to think about it. But that's certainly the framework. That's the framework that somehow, Abraham Avinu, as we always said, Abraham Avinu was an exceptional person. And that exceptional nature that he had, he was unable to pass on to his children in, a, in an absolute manner. Yitzchak, yes. Yishmael, no. The same thing is true about Yitzchak. Yaakov, yes, and Esau, no. So it's not obvious that you have a nation for the others, Avram and Yitzchak and Yaakov. <coughs> By the time they came to Har Sinai, there was a nation. A nation means that the national DNA is fixed. There are certain things about all the people who stood at Har Sinai, not that they were all good, they might have done bad things, but somehow they were all worthy of being part of the enterprise. 
in some way. They were connected, they were, they, they, they were all, they were all worthy. So, Yadua, he says, Shabbatay Yisrael HaLum Mitzrayim Nitzotzot Kidoshot Shayad Nimtzasha. Nitzotzot, sparks, right? A spark is something that can lead to a conflagration, is that a word? Like a big fire, and a spark though is weak. It can go out. If you don't fan the sparks, if you don't fan the sparks out in air, you get nothing. But if you do fan the sparks, now what are the sparks? What are the sparks? They're like residual things left over. Like everybody was created, everybody's created by God. And since everybody's created by God, everybody should have godliness in him. But the sparks of God, godliness, this dangerous state that they're in, you know, to have only, only sparks, that uh, uh, can either be saved, or it'll go out. So if the Svatimet says, Shabbatay Yisrael HaLum Yisrael Mitzotzot Kidoshot, that B'nai Yisrael brought out of Mitzrayim with them sparks of a great spirit, that were in Mitzrayim. It was B'nai Yisrael are not only are not only saving themselves, but they're saving that part of the world, right? By by going out of Mitzrayim, and that's why Yanim says of Kidichtiv, Kigan Hashem beEretz Mitzrayim. So there's a pasuk. If you turn the page back and you look here, the next the next source after the Gemara, it says Breishit Perikid Yud Pasuk Yud. So what does it say in the Pasuk? I don't know what the Pasuk is talking about. I don't know. But it says there's a Gan Hashem. Good or bad. If it says the Garden of God. How does that sound? Sounds good. Gain the Eretz Mitzrayim. There's the Gan Hashem, Kigan Hashem, the Eretz Mitzrayim. Like say, there's another Gan Eden someplace in the world. And where is that other Gan Eden? In, uh, in Eretz Mitzrayim. And therefore, the, 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 Svatamet says, those are the Mitzotzot. There's something there. There's something special in Mitzrayim. And that something special in Mitzrayim was being saved by B'nai Yisrael when they left. Where they left Mitzrayim, and that's Kigan Hashem Be'eretz Mitzrayim. Ma? So, so that's what, that's what he says. Uh, all right, you can look at the Rashi. Let's go back to the Svatimet. Svatimet says again, Kidei Shemayim Marotot Sadik Va'avadum Kiyem Bahem Bat. The Kesev Lokiyeh, the Aviyeh I'm in the second line. Ki Yadua Shabbatay Yisrael Halu B'Tzrayim Mitzotzot Kedoshot. It's Yadua. It's well known. How is it well known? Shayad Nimtza Sham Kedichtiv Kigan Hashem Eretz Mitzrayim. That's what the pasuk says. Kigan Hashem Eretz Mitzrayim. That in Eretz Mitzrayim, hidden there, someplace there's Gan Hashem. And that the Gan Hashem represents some special relationship that was possible between Eretz Mitzrayim and Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and B'nai Yisrael had a lot of nitzotzot. 
how they allowed that it itself will see in a minute. Okay, Matzino. Beha'avot sheyardu mikodem lemitzrayim v'nechshav lam l'shevach shalu misham. That the avot, he says, it, you know, the avot were all forced to go to Mitzrayim. Avram Avinu Perigud Betem Sefer Breshit Vahira Avba Aretz. He had to find some place to go. He went to Mitzrayim. In Mitzrayim, he had this difficulty, he had that difficulty. But finally, he left Mitzrayim and went back to Eretz Canaan. And that, according to the to the uh, Med, is a shevach. Now, what did, that, what did the Ramban say about that? Maaseh, if you remember, Maaseh Avot Siman Levanim, that the Avot created a a, a path. For their children. So Avram Avinu went to Mitzrayim. Avram Avinu didn't have to go to Mitzrayim. So that's what the Ramban's argument is. Because they put, so what if there was a Rav Baaretz? If God wanted him to be fed, he would be fed. That would be the end of it. Well, God said to, uh, God said to Avram Avinu, go to Eretz Canaan. Lech lecha, el Eretz Asher, echo. Go to Eretz Canaan. So what does that imply? What does that imply? That, that when you, if God says go to Eretz Kenan and you go to Eretz Kenan, so tomorrow morning you're going to get a sandwich. I mean, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. So why did, according to the Rabban, you have to understand the way he thinks about things. So according to the Rabban, why did Abraham Avinu go to Eretz Mitzrayim? Not to save himself. Not to save himself because he didn't have to go to Eretz Mitzrayim. It would be a famine. Everybody in the world went to Mitzrayim. Everybody who lived in Canaan went to Israel didn't go. And even those people who were not connected to God lived, lived through the experience. So what was it that Avraham Avinu was doing when he went to Mitzrayim? Question. Huh? He was making sure that his children would come back from Mitzrayim. Because in order to come back from Mitzrayim, Avraham Avinu had to go to Mitzrayim. But he didn't have to go to get food. He had the good food, but he lived that kind of life, according to the Ramban. And the Ramban is a general name for that Maaseh Avot Siman Labanim. That's what it means that that the parents did things for their children, things that they didn't have to do themselves. They didn't have to go. Avram didn't have to go, and then Yitzchak. Avram goes again to the Plishtim, and he goes again to Yitzchak goes to Mitzrayim. All of this is in order to make sure that the Jews freed in Egypt freed in Egypt from slavery will not question the fact that they have to go back to Eretz Canaan you raising your hand? Um, no, I didn't raise it but I'm confused but why is it just the why, why are we just reading the return from Eretz Mitzrayim? why are we just reading the return from Mitzrayim as being the master of a Oh, in this case, no, he said, this case, I think that's what the Ramban means. If you look at Ramban and Perikut Bet, Vahira that Pasuk, I think that's what the Ramban means to say. That, that, uh, that uh, they live in a world of miracles, right? Uh, they are vote. Not our world, but their world was a world of miracles, of divine intervention, especially small things like eating lunch. Why did Abram go to Mitzrayim? Why did he go to Mitzrayim? So he says he wanted to. He went to Mitzrayim in order to make sure that the, that his children would go back to Eretz Canaan. So if he hadn't gone, no one would need to come back. 
No, no, no. No, no, no. They were going to go to Mitzrayim and to be slaves there. There was some value. HaKadosh Baruch says to Abraham, look, these people, in order to forge a people, they have to have a common experience. This is a very popular notion today, right? You need a, what's it called? You know, uh, you have some kind of history to talk about in common. Shared narrative. Shared Oh, narrative. Good, narrative. Very good. I see you're into this field here. So, so you need a shared narrative. So the shared narrative of the nation was going to make them into a nation is slavery. They're going to Mitzrayim. That's not, that's not part of Avram Avinu's thing. God tells Avram Avinu they're going to Mitzrayim. So then it was understood that the reason that Avram Avinu went to Mitzrayim was in order to make sure that they would have this in them that they have to go back to Eretz Israel, and they can't choose to go to Ethiopia or something. That's what I think the Pshat and the Ramban is. That's what the, I think the Pshat and the Ramban is. Now that I've said it twice, even if you disagree, I'm going to stick with my guns. Right? Lavina Inyan. The second line. Ki Yadua B'nai Yisrael Ha'elu B'Mitzrayim Nitzotzot Kedoshot Shiyah Nitzat Sham in other words, leaving Mitzrayim and going to Eretz Canaan was an important thing. It was, it, was, it was not just being freed from slavery, but it was rather something of great significance. So in this great significance, the Mitzotzot of Mitzrayim went up with B'nai Yisrael. How do we know there were Nitzotzot in Mitzrayim? Because there's a passage that says, Kigan Hashem, okay? Ki matzinu ba'avot sheyardu mikodem l'mitzrayim v'nechshav lem l'shevach she'alu misham. Right? They're praised. The avot are praised for going back up because going back to Eretz Yisrael was a significant religious activity. Going to Mitzrayim was apparently not so significant. Shalom Isham Kedeita Bezor HaKadosh Shadam Venoach Lo Amdu Bekoach Zek Avot Dekatu Bahem Aliyami Mitzrayim That somehow the Zohar says that uh, Adam and Noach were not on the same level as, uh, as the Avot, Avram Yisrael Yaakov, each of whom went up from uh, Eretz Mitzrayim to uh, Eretz Canaan. Now you know that Yaakov, <coughs> Yaakov also insisted that they bring his body back to Eretz Yisrael immediately and bury it. Whereas Yosef did not insist on that kind of treatment. If Yosef left Eretz Mitzrayim with the rest of the Jewish people, which you can either see positive or negative. He was different than the Avot. Yosef was not one of the Avot. He was not one of the people who went back to Eretz Canaan. And even Yaakov Avinu, who went back to Eretz Canaan when he was, well, he went back several times, right? He was in the house of Laban. He went back to Eretz Israel. And then when he was in Mitzrayim and died, he, he, he made his children promise that they would bring him back to Eretz, Eretz Yisrael and bury him in the Marat HaMachpelah. Okay? V'chein matzinu ba'avot sh'yadu mikodem l'mitzrayim v'nechshav lahem l'shevach 
שאלו משם כדאי איסו בזוהר הקדוש, שאדם ונוח לא עמדו בתואר זה כאבות דכי בהם עלייה ממצרים. דכתב בהם עלייה ממצרים. וכן בבני ישראל כתוב ויעלו ממצרים. Right, that going out of Mitzrayim was an aliyah. Aliyah means a spiritual event, a spiritual change. Begam erev rav alu, who it at arovet shayam urav b'Mitzrayim, arot rabot me'akidusha. So there was also an erev rav. So this could be a like a statement about. But something regular. If you have slaves, a lot of different slaves, and all the Jewish slaves are getting out, so you imagine that other slaves would would uh, would attach themselves to this large community that is being freed. That's the Arab route. But he says, he says, Arab uh, Alu, who ta'aravot shayam Mitzrayim. Hey, I wrote the light Rabot Mihakidusha. Shayam Urabim Mitzrayim. In other words, in Mitzrayim there were things that were good and bad and they were mixed together, and that was what was stopping the Kedusha from having an effect. So when the Jews left Mitzrayim and they took the Nitzotzot, they also got a little of the Arab Rab with them. And that's what God said to Yaakov, Shazak. Liyakov, Avinu Alava Shalom. You see that? I'm on line uh, three, four, five, six. I'm on the sixth line. Yaakov Avinu Alava Shalom. Alcha Gam Alod. Again, that same language of of just going out of Mitzrayim and going to Eretz Canaan is an Aliyah Ruchanit for Bnei Yisrael. And now, having said all this, the Svatamet says, you will understand what the role of the Rechush was. There's no doubt that the Jewish people, when they left Mitzrayim, were on a very high spiritual level, which enabled them to accept the Aseret HaDibrot at Har Sinai. Ve-nitromimu And they were elevated like the angels who serve in heaven. And you know that the Medrash says that the Shifcha the, the handmaiden, the hand servant, the, the maid servant, saw on, on, at, the, at the miracle of Yamsuf more than the great prophets uh, would see. So that, that was their, uh, their situation, that the lowest kind of people were even more elevated spiritually than, they, than the prophets of later, of later generations. Chichal Ayyash ולא היה בהם הגשמיות. לא היה בהם הגשמיות. גשמיות is anything that's not spiritual, right? Something that is 
preventing spirituality. So it's a law ayyabahem They didn't have uh, something migusham is something um, tactile, like you could touch it, you could move it. That's what gashmiyut is. So gashmiyut is, is a general word, is a word that's used to generalize, generally describe a lack of spiritual attentiveness. That's the gashmiyut. And it's well known that all of the light, all light that comes up in this world is clothed in something. As we know that the neshama, which is all spirit, Nevertheless, what do we see when we look at another person? We don't see the spirit of him or her. We only see the levush of him or her. What he looks like, what she looks like. That's what we see. So that spirit is manifested in Geshem. That's the nature of the world. The spirit is, as I was learning, I was learning today, you know that there is this idea in the Kabbalah, Ratzov Ashok. A person can achieve, the Kabbalists say, a person can achieve great spiritual heights, but he can't, he, she cannot stay there. You can't stay at that, uh, at that spiritual level because you've got to eat, you've got to sleep, you've got to work, <laughs> do all kinds of things. You can't, you can't be that way. You can't be that way all the time. And therefore, what is it that you have to learn? What do you have to learn very well? That having achieved a spiritual (coughs) position, that you could take it with you a little bit. That when you come back into the Gashmi world, you're a little bit different. Like the, the spiritual experience has affected you. It's done something to you. That's what Ratzov Hashem Ratzov. You could run in the direction of God, but you just can't stay there. You have to eventually give in that you're not made for that. But you don't have to lose everything that you had when you got there. So this is what what he says. Raka shelo neviim velo aya bahem agashmiyut v'yadua kilkole era yeshit lapshut. That everything is spirit within Geshem, within physical, a physical world. And so it is true, he says, that the spiritual nature of your soul affects what you look like. Right? Because you look like in medieval times, they used to draw halos. On, on people who were spiritual. In other words, they said, they said that somehow you could represent the fact that you could tell. You could tell such a person. I mean, they didn't have halos, but the idea was that you could look at them and you'd be able to tell. The painters were not able to paint that into the picture, so they put halos on top of it, it was sort of like an asterisk, a halo. Like, here's a spiritual person, here's a spiritual person, you know, acting like a spiritual person. That was their, that was their theory. Yeshit <laughs> 
להתקרב אל הגשמיות כדי לקבל ההערות ממצרים. So, so, they needed this. They didn't need money. They didn't need money. They needed the ability to be Gashmi in the Egyptian way, according to Svatamet. So they needed clay cats and clay zahav, and more, more than that, they needed smalot. Because what are the smalot? The smalot were the distinguishing characteristic of the Egyptians. And if you look at the... Uh, I was recently in the British Museum, which is, uh, well, for all its grandeur, it's like a terrible place because there's so much of everything that you can't ever, you can't move. Like, you just sit there and look at something trivial, but there's so much of it that you can't, can't go anywhere, you know, can't do anything. It takes you all day to look at, a, you know, a couple of broken shards or, or coins that they've collected in some place. So, you could see that the clothing that was worn in the different countries in the area, like, you know, Egypt and Babylon, those are the different countries. Babel went through uh, certain changes, you know, there were Assyrians and then Babylon, Sumerians, Assyrians, Babylonians, and uh, Neo, they call them Neo-Babylonians, who also spoke Aramaic. Arameans, someplace, so they all looked different. They all had a certain style. They had a way of... So now here's B'nai Yisrael, here are B'nai Yisrael. Their job is to, to get themselves out of Mitzrayim, but also to get the Nitzotzot of Mitzrayim out as well, to do them this great honor of making them, the Egyptians, a, a kind of more spiritual group. So to do that, they needed the Gashmiyut of Mitzrayim. And the Kashmiyut of Ritzrayim is represented by the silver and the golden vessels and the, and the Smalot. 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 And the to get the various light that Mitzrayim contained. And that's why they borrowed the Kalim in Mitzrayim. So you see, they didn't need the Kalim, no. And they didn't want the money that the Kalim could to bring, certainly not. And the, the Gemara has that other opinion that somehow God wanted them to go out with the Kalim because there was a promise. But, but of course, the Gemara then goes on and says, but you know, if you're in jail, and you say, one more day, you're going to get a lot of money. Most people say, no, I want to get out today. So he, so he says, Aravinu is the man who had the truth that he wanted to spread this truth in the world. If Ticho Hashkodesh Hashemit Barak Shabiyot B'nei Yisrael Yitromemu Im Kolzei Alushar Nitzotzot Gamkin Al Yadam that not only will B'nei Yisrael save themselves, but they will save the Egyptians or try to save uh, uh, the Egyptians. Uve Emet. I'm five lines on the bottom. Maksinu Shebawa Chagach Lachet Aidea Erev Rava Now. These words, are in the second puzzle of the beginning of Devarim, 
which go, which is kind of a remez, a hint about all the various Averot. So Dizahab is about the Avera that they did with Zahab, which is to build the golden calf. And so that, that they were not successful according to the, the Svatamet. They brought the Erev Rav out of Mitzrayim, but they were not successful in, in, in influencing them to adopt the more significant life of Kiddushah. The Kesev is Zahab Erbeti Lechem. Shehu Remez Al Hanav. Al Yidei Shabbat Hearot Bimekom Tamei. All this Light, this goodness came from a bad place. You needed a tremendous amount of work to kind of purify the Egyptians, to get all the bad out of them and to make them tahor, pure. Everything will be fixed. Uh, uh, by God before the final redemption that's why the Pasuk says Yisrael, you see at the top of this section Yisrael, asu why is that uh, that because it was difficult and they were not successful I just will finish the last time we'll look at that Pasuk. Shema she tiknu chutz mi tikun atzmotam rakidei lagbiya kol haorot shiyardu lemata lahalotam bekorcham vizenikra tachshitim. These are the tachshitim that are referred to. Shechutz mi yofi ha'etzem shalahem. So the, I, I would say the Svatamet his, his idea his idea is that when B'nai Yisrael went out of Mitzrayim just leaving Mitzrayim had to have a positive ethical reflection in the world it can't be that Yitzhiat Mitzrayim was such an enterprise and that it didn't mean anything I mean this the Svatamet doesn't say but I think we can agree that, that there was a tremendous effort put forth by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, somehow in order to make it, to kind of reform the Egyptians in order to make them who they could be part of the Gan Hashem according to the Svatamet and so B'nai Yisrael, the people who leave Mitzrayim were promised by God through Avram Avinu that they would have Ruchush but the way they understood the Ruchot, if it was just Ruchot, then the Gemara and Brachot would be correct. Now what do they need Ruchot for? They want to get out of jail. They don't, you know, uh, they're not going to wait another day to get the Ruchot. On the other hand, on the other hand, you see that the Egyptians wanted to give them stuff. They, they thought that that was a good thing to do, that that was something that they were happy about, these, these Egyptians. And so, putting that information together, the Svatamet creates uh, uh, another story. There's another story of Yisiat Mitzrayim, and that's the story of the Egyptians. How was it that B'nai Yisrael related to their former slavers, the four, those people who kept them for hundreds of years in a state of terrible, of terrible slavery? And the answer is that 
Egypt, just as Egypt became Tameh because of the way they treated the Jews, right? That's everybody agrees that the punishment of the Egyptians was that they they mistreated their slaves, they oppressed them unnecessarily, so that that Bnei Israel Bnei Israel tried in Yitziat Mitzrayim to to reform them to make them aware of what they might be of who they might be and the way they did that the way they did that was by taking the Gashmiyut of Egypt and placing it as the external kind of component of their insights of their spiritual insights and that way trying to influence the Egyptians to see it their way not just to let them go let them go you could beat up on them I mean it's like like modern day problems of terror you know you could beat up on terror but that won't change the ideology much so here again Bidaisa wanted to change the ideology that the Egyptians lived with and they were fairly successful but after B'nai Yisrael, after the Makat B'charot, the Egyptians got it together and they said, no, they're going to chase after the Jews, right? They're going to, next in the Pasha of, uh, of B'Shalach, they're going to, uh, they're going to chase after the Jews, try to do them in. So you see that, you know, the vision of what you call Parashanot, you call explaining, understanding, trying to it depends what the what the raw material that you're starting out with is, the, the language that you speak. So the Svatamed, he speaks a language which is connected to the Zohar and the Kabbalah and, and seeing um, inanimate objects as living beings in the in the world. But this this idea that a Baruch said to Abraham Avinu said, your children will be freed and you'll come in to Har Sinai and get the Torah but not only that they will already accept the responsibility I don't want to sound like a peacenik here but I can't help myself that, that they will accept the responsibility of changing the attitude that created the slavery they will, they, they will accept the responsibility of being special people for the Egyptians, right? Trying to make the Egyptians come to their side and be with them. And uh, we could argue that it failed or that it succeeded, but I think that 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 it's, it's a lesson, nonetheless, that only if you try to change the essential uh, points of conflict is there any hope for a better future. Otherwise you just get more of it. All the, you know, there's no reason for anything to ever, ever change. Okay, have a good Shabbos. I was, what? No, they gave it to them. They gave it to them. They knew. They also pointed this father back to say they knew that this was the right thing. That this was good for them. It just didn't, it didn't pan out. Well, for whatever reason, it didn't pan out. But it, it might have. It might have. And you know, as a result, the Egyptians disappeared. 
they, they disappeared. They, there are no Egyptians in the world. What they call Egypt today are the Arabs. Egypt is populated by Arabs, not by Egyptians. Where, did they, where are the Egyptians? Who knows? I mean, there was a language called Coptic, which was spoken, which is like a combination of Egyptian and Greek, which was spoken in Egypt, but it disappeared. There are no... Today there are only Arabs living in Egypt. There's a Coptic church. Then. What? There's a Coptic, Coptic church. The Coptic church. It still exists. Yeah, but that's, you know, it's like, it's like a museum. Yeah. It's like, and there aren't many of the, the cops, and they're, they're also Arabs. You know, they live in the Arab world, they live in the Arab culture. It's like here, you go to the old city of, of Jerusalem. So they have a, a Syriac church. It's, it's there, but it's not there. It doesn't really exist. But the Also doesn't exist. It's there. They've done away with the Karaim. How they did it. In, in other words, they there are no Karaim left. So they're all Jews. They're all regular Jews. Now the problem with the Karaim was worse than the Gairim. The problem with Gairim today is a, is a small problem. Halakhically. The problem with the Karaim was a big problem. Uh, halakhically, because they were all considered to be Mamzerim by the regular Rabbanot. And even though they were all Mamzerim and therefore they can't marry a regular Jew, today there are no Karaim. They're only Jews. So that happened somehow. They were Karaim 20 years ago. Really? Yeah. How many? Seven. What? Yes, I no, I know, but in Alexandria, there was a very big community of Karaites. And in Russia, there was a very, very large community of, of Karaites. That doesn't exist. They disappeared. So true, disappeared at the parentheses, there are seven left. But I mean, they really are not there. There are no Karaites. And now there's a Beitin of the Karaites in Ramla. Yes, Ramla, there's two people there. The Ganenet. No, Cholot is the Samaritans. And the Samaritans also disappeared. Right, without going through any difficulty at all. It's only the Russians that we don't like. Disappear. They don't want to disappear, and we won't let them in. But isn't there a Samaritan community that uh, does a Karpesach every year or something? Samaritans. They don't do Karpesach every year, they do it on Pesach. Okay. But I'm saying, but there is a Samaritan community. Yes, there is. But since I came to Eretz Israel in 1965, which is prehistory. In 1967, when, you know, you know that they, they had that war and they captured those banks. And, uh, and so all the Samaritans in Hulon ran to uh, Shem in order to bring, give the Korban Pesach again, because before that time they couldn't cross the border. So there were like a hundred of them. No, Pesach Pesach, not Pesach Shelly. They just have a different calendar. So it comes out on a different day. 
doesn't come out like our on the day of our Pesach which is why you could be a tourist and go to watch them give the talk to Pesach and then go home and eat a matzah you know, it's not on the same it's not the same day there so so everybody, everybody said people not everybody you know people you know these kind of people they said if they can give a Korban Pesach we should also be able to give a Korban Pesach and Arab buy it that was the argument in 1967 so Rav Unterman a blessed memory looked around and he said I don't think we're ready for it and that worked for about 30 years <laughs> then you know everybody started uh, you know all, all these depressed personalities who felt that if you can't give a carbon Pesach and how I buy it that means we're not in charge True. so there you go <laughs> who knows who could understand these things I mean I don't understand this so. Can you explain this again? How do you know from this what section here that, that, that as part of the Exodus, the, um, who was in, uh, the Israelites had accepted the responsibility to change the Egyptians? I think that they wanted to take the Egyptians' no, spark out. Possible, possible. But I don't possible. say how they wanted to change them. That's right. I don't have a problem. So you see the Possum? The Pesach says, "Daber now yeshaluk leikesim neisher al sukid var Moshe." That there's something here that's missing. That's the way he reads the pasuk. That, that it's not that Moshe Rabbeinu said, "Do this," and they did it. But it says, "And then asukid var Moshe" means there's some hidden message here that Moshe Rabbeinu passed on to Bnei Yisrael. That it's what? No, I assume they did something that Moshe Rabbeinu said, which is not something you could see very easily. Here it says, "Vayishu Yisrael, Bnei Yisrael asuk edvar Moshe." This is Perik Yud Bet Pasuk Lamed Hey, Vayishalu b'Mitzrayim Kirei Kesef Leizahavus Usmalot. Why would that be called asuk edvar Moshe? What's the big deal about borrowing or asking the people to borrow? So that's how the Svata says borrow means it's still connected to the lender. They could have taken it. They know it would have stopped them. The whole world had come apart. apart. But the Pasuk says, by Yishalud Mitzrayim. They went and they said, could we take this? Could we take that? And the Mitzrayim said, yes, take two of them. That's what Rashi, Rashi quotes. Don't take this one. Take two, take three, take as many as I have. So what is going on in that sub-story that is not exactly being told in the big story? That's the Svatamet's point. So he says in the sub-story, there's a story, there's a story about the, a spiritual encounter between what B'nai Yisrael were becoming and what the Egyptians thought that they might be able to become as represented in the state of Kijan Hashem right that Egypt is the garden of, of God and that in Chen right in what Chen yes in Chen because they saw that Chen was they had something special right Chen yes yes I don't remember 
But that's how the Svatvan. The Svatvan doesn't clarify his literary processes. You know, but there are literary processes there, without a doubt. I mean, he's looking at Sukkim, he's looking at words. There's something that bothers him. He says, you're not, you got to fill it in. There's something I don't understand. He doesn't understand why the clay cats and clays are and the Svalot, what the things that they got. Why do they just take money and run? Or, or if that was the deal. It's, it strikes him as odd that they took that stuff and that the Torah stopped to tell us that they took that stuff. Whereas it doesn't come up again. I mean, okay, when they built the Mishkan, at the end of the book of Shemot, they needed gold and silver, so that's, that's probably where they got it from. What? The calf. Oh, the golden calf. No, that's the negative, right? That, that's why it didn't work out. It didn't work out because the Jews were not strong enough to accept the Gashmiyut of Mitzrayim and yet to maintain their own spiritual independence. So having accepted the Gashmiyut of Mitzrayim, they, they started doing other things like the Egyptians, which they knew about. So this, the, this part of it, the, the Svatamet doesn't mention, but you can complete the story. We can complete the story of the Svatamet in that way. That's what happened. The, the Egel HaZahav. The golden calf was a result of the gold, which was then mismanaged and misused by the Jews. And then we could also understand, so why did Aaron HaKohen join in? According to the Svatavet, he might say, well, Aaron HaKohen knew about this tension with the Gashmiyut and the gold and the silver, and he was hopeful that he would be able to turn it around, to make the gold and silver work to save the Egyptians, instead of the gold and silver working to destroy Am Yisrael, right? There's like... Uh, you know, it's a story. It's a story that's told from a different perspective. But it's sort of, he like, is able to put it into the psukim and, uh, and, the, uh, and to see what was going on in, in words that appear in Medrash and the psukim. Have a wonderful Shabbos.